that many of us uh, probably could stand up and tell and, and teach and tell about, and it's that story of the walking on the water, a story that we, we think of, we've heard, many of us, if we've been in church at any point in time, have heard preaching on in many different ways, and there's so many things in this passage of Scripture that could be, could be focused on and talked about, but for, for this morning, I want to focus on two words that's going to kind of be our jumping point in this passage that is going to, maybe I pray, help us all to change the way we look at a familiar word in the Christian life. When we think of religion, when we think of Christianity especially, we think of different words that come along, and no word maybe is more associated with Christianity than the word faith. You think about it, you go anywhere out uh, to a store or to a Christian bookstore or anywhere that sells uh, anything that is Christian-related, and there's probably going to be a sign or some home decor, and there's probably somewhere along the way going to have that word faith. It has become synonymous with our Beliefs. It's become synonymous with our Christianity and what we hold to be true. And we hold the word faith almost in some ways to be as a reverent thing. Um, people will even ask you, well, what's your faith? Or uh, do you have faith? Or different things of that nature. And faith is one of those things that we know, according to the scriptures, we find throughout all the New Testament, that is something that is dear to the heart of God. In fact, in Hebrews chapter number 11, the Bible tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please Him. See, we all desire, if we know Christ is our personal Savior, no doubt to be pleasing to God. It's something that we would desire to do. And God tells us that if we want to be pleasing to God, we must have faith. We often talk about faith as something that we hold or as we possess. But faith is also something that we do. We faith God. Now, we were talking about this this morning in our uh, Sunday school class with the teenagers. When I was in college, we would often, often hear that said by the pastor there, faith God, faith God. And now all the uh, secondary education English majors would have an issue with that because you can have faith in God, they would say, but to faith God just doesn't come across right. It sounds wrong because it's not something we often think of as faithing or having faith as far as a verb, something we do, rather than something that we have. But the truth is, is if we were honest with ourselves, faith is really that. It's a matter of doing. It's a matter of believing. It's a matter of trusting. It's a matter of moving forward on that faith. It's not a simple one uh, word that can describe really what faith is. Faith is trust, yes. Faith is believing, yes. But faith is also moving with action upon that belief and that trust. It's all-encompassing. And Peter here give us, gives us an example of faith that oftentimes when we come to this passage of Scripture, we, having hindsight, tend to look at Peter and we want to, oh, look at Peter, he, he had faith, but then he's... But the truth is, is that I think Peter here is a great example of what faith could be and is like when we actively participate in faith think about this for a moment peter was the only one to get out of the boat he wasn't the only one in the boat in fact the bible tells us that the disciples were told to get into the ship and peter was the only one who got out of it so it wasn't just peter and a bunch of unsaved or or unfollowers of christ non-followers of christ peter 
was a believer amongst many other believers. And he was the only one who had the faith enough to go to Jesus. Matthew chapter number 14, verse 22, the Bible says this, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side when he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Look with me at verse 31. And this phrase that Jesus speaks to Peter, he says, O thou of, and there's two words there, little faith. See, when we often read this saying of Christ, I think many times when we read it, we read it as a rebuke. O thou of little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? Or if you will allow me to paraphrase, you had, where, where was your faith? Why did you doubt me? You had a little bit, but you, you let it go. And that's one way we could read it. But I, I think for this morning, if you'll, if you'll allow me, rather to read it this way. Oh, ye of little faith. You had faith, and look at what you were able to accomplish. You had little faith, and you were able to accomplish it. Why did you doubt? See, the truth is, is that sometimes we want to look at Peter like Peter was a man of great faith because he got out of the ship, because he got out of the boat. But God tells us the truth. Peter was a man of little faith, and he was able to walk on water. Really puts our faith into context, doesn't it? See, oftentimes we act as though if we trust God for the things that we need, the things that he's already promised us, we're having faith in God. No, what we're doing is we're just taking God at his word. It does not take very much faith to take a God who is without lying, without variableness, and trust him for what he said he's going to do. It takes faith to trust God for the things that we cannot see, the things that we cannot know. The Bible tells us that. Hebrews chapter 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the things of evidence of things not seen. We want to talk about faith as something that we do when we trust God for what we know he's going to do. We can see that. Why? Because we've seen it before. Peter trusted God for something he had never seen before. He saw Jesus walking on the water, but he had never seen anybody else walk on the water. And he said, you know what? If that's Jesus, that's where I want to be. 
And so for, my, for, tonight, for this morning, for just a few moments, I want us to look at this passage and consider this idea, this thought of little faith. Would you pray with me? Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would help us. Lord, increase our faith. Lord, grow our faith. And Lord, may our faith be something that we do in order to bring you honor and glory as we trust you for who you are. Lord, may we understand that truth that our faith is truly bound to how we view you. Help us this morning, Lord, if you will. May we leave this place challenged to trust you more and faith you more and go out and move and work and do by faith for what you have and desire for us. We ask that you go with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See, we, we often think of this idea that the word little is almost derogatory, almost put down, almost a negative, almost, if you will, something that was demeaning or, um, if you would, uh, the idea here that it diminished what Peter had done. Peter, or God was not putting down Peter's faith by calling it little. He was just quantifying it, saying you had little faith. You know, there's, there's another passage of Scripture talking about the uh, uh, Jairus, and he says, oh, this man hath great faith. And I don't think God, Jesus Christ, was saying to Peter, you're a dirty, you're, you're, you're just, you're just, you don't have any faith. You, you have little faith. What are you doing? I think what he was trying to help Peter understand is that he had little faith and it accomplished much. Think, think of the old song, little is much when God is in it. Well, God is in faith. Entirely. In fact, faith placed in God, entirely on God, is that. It may be little, but when you invoke the power of God, it creates much. Peter here had a desire to be with Christ. We'll see that in just a moment. And he had faith that God would allow him to be with him, and he acted upon it. See, many of us have a desire to be with God, to fellowship with God. And we have some faith, but we rarely ever act upon it. We're afraid. We're concerned. We're limited by what we see, by what we know, and by what we hear. And we never get out of the ship. Peter is a man that we see here is a great example of what our faith life could be if we follow some things that we see in the passage. The first thing we see here, if you will, with me in verse 28 is that faith is dependent upon the right view of Christ. If we're going to have faith that allows us to walk on water, if you're going to have faith that allows us to move mountains, if you're going to have faith that allows us to push beyond obstacles, and remember, our faith and allowing us to walk on water was never for Peter's praise. That's not why he got out of the ship. He wanted to be with Jesus. When our faith looks to heap upon praises upon us, that's not faith. Faith puts it in God and it brings glory to God. Faith is dependent upon the right view of Christ. Look at verse number 28 with me, if you will, of Matthew chapter number 14. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves. That's verse 24. And verse 28 says, And Peter answered and said to him, Lord, if it be thou. Think about Peter here for a moment. Here's a man that grew up on the water. What do we know about Peter when Jesus called him to take up his, uh, to, to, to throw down his nets? We know that he was a fisherman, right? Well, fishing, ships, 
nets. He spent a lot of time in the water. He knew what he was doing. In fact, many of these men in this ship, who were the disciples, had lived their lives on a boat. Peter, his brother Andrew, James, his brother John, four at least of those men were fishermen, not sportsmen that would occasionally cast their reel out, if you would, or cast their net on the sea. They were men who lived on the water. You don't think they've ever dealt with contrary winds before? They sure did, and they sure had. Here's men that, that were used to it. Not only that, but the Bible tells us that Jesus encouraged them to get into a ship and go to the other side. This wasn't their ship. This was some other man's ship, no doubt. We see that as we come to the end of the passage, and it says that all those that were on the, the ship worshipped and said, Truly thou art the Son of God. The disciples knew that he was the Son of God. These were the other men that had come to know Christ for who he was through this situation. And here's Peter, and he has faith, because when he sees the Spirit, the person walking on the water, and he hears that Spirit, if you would, as they see it, and he says, it's me, be not afraid. He goes, well, if that's Jesus, I know him. I know who he is, and I have the right view of Christ. He is the Almighty God. And Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee. Want to know oftentimes why our faith is never able to be a faith that allows us to walk on waters? Because we've allowed our view of Christ to become something that which it should not be. See, we see Christ as a way out of hell. We see Christ as a God who's distant. We see Christ as a story in the Bible sometimes. But Christ desires to be a true friend, a great shepherd, someone who is dear to us. The truth is, is this, that we have become so far removed from being a group of people, Christian people, who truly walk with God. When we hear that term, walk with God, well, he's talking about Bible uh, reading every day. He's talking about prayer. No, I'm talking about people who walk with God, who allow God to commune with us, that we're so in tune and, and walking with God in such a way through our Bible reading, through our prayer, that in every moment of the day, when God leads and prompt, His Holy Spirit is so near to us that when he tells us to witness someone, we witness to someone. When he tells us to get out of a situation, we're able to get out of a situation. Whatever it may be, we have removed ourselves from having a relationship to going through motions and actions. This is what you are if you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, you do these things. That's not what Christianity is. Christianity is a life lived in a relationship and actions lived out because of that relationship. If I were to ask all of you men who are married that if you do certain things, do you do certain things because you love your wife or do you do certain things because you're afraid you're going to get in trouble with your wife? Hopefully, Lord willing, all of you would say, well, I do those things because I love my wife. Now, she might think I do them because I'm trying not to get in trouble. And all of the wives look at their husbands. I literally, it was funny just a second ago and like gave them a glare. The truth is, is that we do it because we have a relationship and we desire to have that relationship with our wives and wives with their husbands, children with their parents, parents with their children. But when it comes to Christ, it's a duty instead of a joy. It's a task. It's, it's a chore. 
And God says, I just want to have a relationship. We make it so much more difficult than it ever has to be. Why? Because we have the wrong view of Christ. We view him sometimes as this distant God, when really he's a near God. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We look at the scriptures and we look at the way Peter and Paul lived. They lived as if they had a God that was ever present around them. If we could live in the constant awareness of the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives, it would truly change our lives. Think about some of these passages. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Would you turn there with me? These great passages that we think of. When we think of that great Christian word, the word faith, immediately certain passages come to mind. I asked the teenagers a little bit ago, what do you think of when you think of faith? And one of them said, I think of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Of course, the very definition of faith. Some of us think of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. And this idea of looking unto Jesus. And we stop there. That's our view of God. Well, we look into Jesus. But look at what the Bible really says about this Jesus. Both the author and the finisher of our faith. The originator and the completer. The beginning and the end. And everything in between. When it comes to our faith, it's a matter of looking at Christ for who he is. Someone that would have joy in enduring a cross. Think about that. Think about what you know to be true about the cross, what you've heard for many years and for a lifetime about what the cross was and the pain and the sorrow and the discomfort and the agony and the disgrace and the humility that, or, and, and the humiliation, if you will, of all the things that happened on the cross. And the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ would see it as joy for us. When you think of this man, Jesus, and who he was, that he would despise the shame. What shame is that? The shame of being able to take on the sin of the creation as the creator. Think about that. I don't know about you. If I were to make a pie, it would turn out horrible. If I were to make cookies or bake anything, it'd probably be burnt. If I was to create something of that nature it would not have a very good outcome. If I were then to put that dessert that's burnt or disgusting or without sugar or too much flour or whatever I would mess up, no doubt, and I set it on a table before you, you would probably look at it and go, is God trying to poison us? Is he trying to kill me? That doesn't look like dessert. That looks like a charcoal piece of just burnt nastiness, and you want me to eat this? So what does that mean? What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say this. If we were to look at God's creation for what we really are, there's not much to look at. It's sin. All of us are sinners, the Bible says. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But God looked at his creation and he said, that, that I want to redeem. If you would, in a very crude illustration, he takes that and he cuts off all the burnt pieces and sets them to the side. 
maybe scoops out the filling because it's, it's actually good and takes it from an apple pie and turns it into apple crumble. And everybody says amen. Again, it's a crude illustration, I know. I know it, it doesn't really invoke the idea of what God has really done for us. But it does give us this idea that the creator who could have just discarded the creation said, no, I made that. And I love that. And I'm going to do something with that. And God loves us so much. And our faith is determined and dependent upon, if you will, our view of Christ. If, Peter said, Lord, if it, if it be you, if, if it's really you, just bid me come. And he says, what? Come. Peter says, all right, here I go. Let's go. Because if it's my God, I know he's going to be faithful. Remember what the Bible tells us about our Christian walk? We live by faith and not by sight. Think about this, if you will. Matthew chapter 14, if you'll go back there. I want you to think, think about this idea. It says in the Bible that he, he constrained his disciples to get into a ship in verse 22. Verse number 24 says, or verse number 23 says, And when the evening was come. Now on the calendar in the Jewish day, if you think about it, the morning is from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. The night, the evening, is from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. the next morning. That's a, a Jewish day. That's how these days would be recorded in this time frame. This is, this is how they would record the day. It says, when the evening was come, he was there alone. Verse 24, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Verse number 25, it says, and in the fourth watch of the night. A watch was a spirit a span of, of three hours. So the first watch would have been from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. The second watch would be from 9 p.m. to 12 p.m. The third watch would be from 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. The fourth watch of the night would have been that period between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Many of you know the old saying that the darkest time is right before dawn. There's truth behind that. Why don't you think about this? The Bible says that Jesus had sent them out to the ship and that they were on the ship while Christ was praying and that's when the winds began to, began to become contrary. Now this is not some great ocean where they should have been toiling all night long trying to get across unless the winds were contrary. And here are these men, both fishermen and sailors, in a ship toiling all night long and the fourth watch of the night has come. And, and no doubt there may have been some, some moon or some stars. See, oftentimes when we think of this Bible story, we always think that there's a storm happening. But nowhere in the passage of Scripture does it ever say anything about a storm. It says the wind was contrary. There could have been a storm, but what we do know is that it was windy. And it wasn't just windy like East Tennessee wind. It was boisterous, loud, contrary wind that fought against them. It was a headwind. They were, they, were, they were blowing straight into this wind, and it was just pushing them back, basically, is what you can get the idea of. Uh, this idea of running in place, if you will, or should I say rowing in place, constantly rowing, fighting and fighting and fighting, and it's dark. Maybe the moon is out. Maybe the, sun, the stars are out, but it's very little light. 
There's not much. And they see a figure walking on the water. It says that they were afraid. They said, fear not, it is I. Peter could see no different from all the other men. His sight was that figure. But his view of Christ was very different. He said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee. And Christ said, come. Not only was Peter's faith here, the idea that it was dependent upon the view, right view of Christ, but faith develops a desire to be with Christ no matter what the obstacle. I mean, think about it for a second. <clears throat> Jesus Christ is out there. He's on the water in the midst of the wind. I've got the side of the ship. I've got all that water, and that's where Jesus is at. And Peter says, hey, Lord, if it's you, just tell me to come, and I'm out there. Christ says, come. And Peter wasn't looking at the side of the boat. He wasn't looking at the boats drop down to the water. He wasn't looking at the waves. He wasn't looking at the wind. He wanted one thing and one thing only. To be with Christ is to be safer than when I'm at. What got Peter to this point? What was it that brought Peter to this much faith? Maybe it was the fact that just before they got into the ship, he had just watched Jesus feed 5,000 people. Maybe it was the fact that he just knew who Jesus was. And he understood that if that's God, and I believe he is, that's where I want to be. You want to know why I know that many of us, myself included, has a faith that can barely even be called a little faith? Because so often our desire is not to be with Christ. We're so busy doing everything else in life, it becomes a burden sometimes to spend time with Jesus, to be involved in the things of Christ. Myself included. I get so busy with the goings of the day that sometimes instead of just desiring just to sit and be with Jesus, it's like I give him a little bit of time. Okay, God, you got five minutes. Here we go. Let's get this done. I got things to do. Got places to be. No matter the obstacle, faith says, no, you're where I want to be. No matter the obstacle. Where did Jesus tell Peter to be when he sent him across? In the ship, right? He was obedient to God. Many of us work jobs. We provide for our families. We're being obedient to God. But sometimes there are times in our lives, now hear me out so that it's not taken out of context, where our obedience to God, where God has us to be, is a preparation for a drawing closer to him, and it can become an obstacle if we're not careful. See, why did God want Peter in the ship? Because he knew where Peter would be in just a little bit. And had Peter stayed in the ship, the obedience to God by being in the ship would have become a hindrance to the obedience to being with Christ. Does that make sense what I'm saying? What I'm trying to say to you is this, that we oftentimes allow our everyday lives the taking care of our families, the providing for our families, get in the way of being with Christ. And when we allow it to get in the way of being with Christ, it's become an obstacle. We put things before Christ. We put things in place of Christ. But true faith says it doesn't matter the obstacle. That's where I'm going to go. 
And he says, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee. And Jesus said, come. Faith not only is dependent on the right view of Christ and develops a desire, no matter the obstacle, to be with Christ. Faith also draws us closer to Christ. Look at what verse number 29 says with me, if you will. Peter answered him in verse 28 and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water. And that's where many of us stop and dwell. Well, Peter got out of the water and he walked on the, sh- on the or Peter got out of the ship and he walked on the water. Yes, but for what purpose? Look at the end of verse 29. To go to Jesus. That was the whole point. Peter's faith was not about walking on the water. Peter's faith was about being closer to Jesus. This is where we get stuck so many times when we look at this passage. Oh, look at the great thing Peter did. He walked on the water. Oh, look, Peter had faith. He trusted God and he did something. But the truth is, is it's this. Peter just had a desire and faith to be close to God. Can I ask you a question this morning? How much does your faith have a desire to be close to God? Now look, when we have a desire to be close to God, God allows us to do some pretty amazing things. Lead people to the Lord. Help others. See things accomplished that never would we imagine. I mean, think about it. Even as our church, just in the recent days, to be able to raise the amount of money that we raised in such a short period of time for his honor, for his glory, that building will be. What a great thought, right? But it's not to heap praise on us. It's to say, oh God, what can we do as we draw close to you that you can do as we meet there and go out from there? But often our faith gets tangled up in what we're doing. Peter had no desire to walk on the water for walking on the water's sake. I mean, think about it for a moment. He didn't say, Lord, hey, if you're walking on the water, why don't you let me walk on the water? If it's you, you just let me walk on the water. No. He said, let me come to you. Let me come to you. Peter knew one thing. It was gonna, he was going to be able to get to Jesus faster walking on the water than he was trying to swim out to it. He said, just let me walk on the water and come to you. If it's you, just let me come out to the water and walk on the water. And Jesus said, come. Peter got down, and his whole intent was to go to Jesus. Because true faith really draws us closer to God. And when I think about that truth, I can't help but be convicted of how small my faith is. So many times when it comes to faith and trusting God in something, it's because there's a storm, there's a difficulty, there's something contrary, and I just want that to be gone rather than to be with Jesus. So many times when we think about faith, it is, if you will, it's the ripcord on the parachute. Things have gotten bad, and I don't know if I can make it. Let me pull my parachute, and it'll save the day. It's not about what faith can accomplish. It's about who faith brings us to, and it brings us to Christ. 
See, oftentimes we've gotten to this point that we know, we've heard the stories of Hudson Taylor and Adoniram Judson and, and William Carey and Corey Ten Boom and Nate Saint and all these great missionary men and we could go back to even uh, Peter and Paul and John and all these men and, and Timothy and the great things they did and the faith they had and we get so enamored with the doing and what can be done that we forget that faith is the thing that draws us closer to Christ. As we see Him for who He is, it grows our faith, it draws us closer to Him, and we trust Him by faith for more. Not more of what He can do, but more of who He is. And as we grow in faith and we trust God for bigger things, guess what He proves Himself to be? An even bigger God than we could have even imagined. And it draws us closer to Him. What are you trusting God for? I'm not talking about a physical thing. I'm not talking about a need or an answer. I'm talking about truly in God, how much do you desire to grow in your faith so that you can know just how big God is? I mean, think about it. This God we say we truly worship created everything we see. And yet we have such a small view of who he really is. And he has opened the door and said, I want to show you everything. You ever thought about it this way? If God were to try to reveal everything that we could handle. The Bible tells us that we don't know everything. We never could know everything on this side of eternity about God because he's so, there's not even a word that can quantify what God is that it would just blow our minds away. We would be just completely taken aback. It would take a man who is so sure that what he's doing is right, even though he's persecuting the church that God had created, that when he has that vision of Christ, he immediately says, Lord, show me where you want me to go in Paul. Faith draws us closer to God. You know what the sad thing is? There's a fourth thing. Faith is often diminished by doubt. Paul had little faith. It got smaller when he looked around and saw the waves and the wind. He started to have what? Doubt. And here's what's difficult. As a preacher, you stand up here and I, I stand here and I say, you shouldn't doubt. And as a listener, I sit down here and say, Um, how do I do that? Because there's a certain amount of doubt in all of us. It's natural. Because we're questioning people. God made us questioning people because true and truthful questioning honestly leads to the truth and that truth points us to God. But oftentimes what happens is when we question things, we find something that we enjoy or hear that we like and we claim that to be truth and stop there. Instead of continuing to move forward to find the truth that is really there because all truth flows from God because God is truth. And doubt will diminish our faith. 
So what do you do when doubt creeps up? What do you do when you start to have questions about whether God is really going to meet you? You go back to what you know to be true. You go back to your view of who he is. You go back to the word of God and you seek him for who he truly is. See, what happens so many times is we, like Peter, are out on the water, walking, maybe doing something, trusting God by faith, and we allow doubt to creep up, the winds and the seas, and it completely takes our focus, and that's all we focus on. What should Peter have done? He should have reestablished his view on Christ. Instead, he kept staring at the winds, and he kept staring at the waves, and he kept staring at what was around him, and he kept staring about whether he could do it or not. Because it became about the obstacle and not about where he was going, which was to Jesus. And I say to you, not in a way of saying, I stand here and don't struggle without. I stand up here and I say, take the doubt and run to Jesus. He'll leave you with no doubts and keep you pushing forward. There's one more thing I want you to see with me, if you will, about faith. And it's amazing that even when we have diminished faith, say, I failed him, I just didn't trust him like I should have. There's something amazing that we can all be encouraged by. Look at with me, if you will, in verse 32. Verse number 30, if you will, we'll start there. But when he saw the wind boisterous and he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried, saying to the Lord, Save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? Verse 32. And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. You know, sometimes we get this idea that when we fail to have the faith in God that we know we should, that we've ruined something for God, that we've kept something back from God. The truth is, is this, number five, that diminished faith does not limit the amount of glory God will receive. Why don't you think about that for a second? Diminished faith will not limit the amount of glory God received. Look at the passage. Paul began to have doubt, right? We see it. He started to sink. They come into the boat, and the men weren't sitting there saying, Well, Jesus, he came to you. Why didn't you just keep him coming? Why didn't you just keep him on the water? Jesus, he stepped out by faith and trusted you. Why didn't you just... Just be there for him. Why did you even let him sink? No, no, no. These men did not say anything of the such. What they in fact said was, you really are the son of God. Because what happens is, we let our faith become about us instead of about who it should be about. It's about him. We let our faith become a matter of, oh, I failed God once again. And God says to Peter, Peter, You had little faith. Why did you doubt? Because it accomplished so much. So I have a question for you this morning. If I were to ask you for a moment, how would you quantify your faith? If Peter had little faith and was able to walk on water, I'm afraid to ask what our faith would really be called. I think so often, many times, we like to think we have great faith or even, if you will, a little faith. 
but we've never gotten out of the ship. And the true thing is, is this. We talk about our nation. We talk about our county. We talk about our state, our country. We talk about our unsaved loved ones. What could God do with us as a group of people if we determined to just have little faith? Peter walked on water. Peter's little faith helped others to see God for who he was. What did the men say? Truly thou art the Son of God. Because the truth is this, that even little faith glorifies God. And so many times you and so many times me, I, fail to have the faith we should. Because we haven't been dwelling with God. We haven't been walking with God. We haven't had that desire to be close to God. And when we have the opportunity to, we allow every obstacle that comes. Sometimes, you know what seems to me to be true about me, and I'll say this honestly, is it's like I'm looking for an obstacle to get in my way. Faith is not always convenient. In fact, oftentimes, faith becomes inconvenient. And the truth is, is because conveniency is something that we desire. When the truth is, we should desire Christ. And so this morning, I ask you this simple question. Do you have even little faith? You bow your head and close your eyes with me. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you for this passage of Scripture that reminds us that faith is not something that we have for ourselves. Faith is something that we are able to partake in for your honor and for your glory. God, I pray this morning and I ask that you would grow my faith. Help me to step out of the ships and onto the waves and onto the difficult things. Not for me to have glory or not for me to be able to walk on the water, but God, so that you and I may be close and I may see you for who you are and you may receive all the honor and glory for it. Help us now, as your Holy Spirit moves in the hearts of people, may we be responded to it. We ask these things in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.